Amen. You're so kind. I haven't been woohooed in a while, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I mean, you guys are like excited tonight, huh? That's good. I'm, you're more excited than I am. What's going on? That's awesome. Why don't, uh, why don't you find somebody to pray with? Why don't you reach over and see if somebody will let you hold their hand or put a hand on somebody's shoulder? If they don't want you to touch you, it's okay. They just have a demon, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come out in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. Respect everybody's personal space. If you don't want to do what I say, you can be rebellious. That's fine. <laughs> Father, we believe that we are your body. We believe that, you, that we are your church. And we believe that we're connected to you and we're connected to each other. So in this moment, Father, we allow ourselves to become aware of our union with you. Father, we allow ourselves to disconnect from what the things of this temporary age try to force on us. In this moment, we choose to not partner with symptoms of sickness, symptoms of disease, symptoms of anxiety, of hopelessness, of depression, of fatigue, of carelessness or recklessness, but we choose to become aware that we're connected to you and you don't possess any of those things. But we do believe tonight that you possess us and that we possess your nature. And I pray, Jesus, that as we take another look tonight at what it means to simply see Jesus, to simply experience Jesus, the simplicity of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be deepened, that there wouldn't just be more content placed in but that our container would be enlarged to carry your presence in a more full capacity to grow us in depth of what it means to be connected with you and connected with each other. We allow ourselves in this moment now to experience your shalom. Everybody say shalom. Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace. You're the Prince of Shalom. You rule and you reign in this house, and in our hearts, and in our homes. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you give God some praise? That's awesome. I want to read to you a, a quote by a man of faith. Uh, a hero of the Christian faith from the past, a man by the name of John G. Lake. You ever hear of John G. Lake? John G. Lake had an extraordinary uh, anointing on his life for healing, and uh, he was the one that first started a ministry that's still in uh, different camps of Christianity today called Healing Rooms. And uh, John G. Lake actually had at one time uh, many uh, healing rooms in uh, Washington, in the state of Washington, there would be people that would actually move in like a spiritual hospital uh, into this, uh, this facility, and uh, they would stay until they uh, received 100% healing. 
uh, in their bodies from the Lord. And just a really powerful ministry. Spent a lot of time in Africa. And, and uh, as you look at many of the great revivalists and uh, uh, apostolic figures from the past, there's definitely things that you can look at their life and say, man, I don't really know about that. Or feel like maybe they were out of balance there. Or maybe that was, uh, maybe that was uh, a little bit unhealthy. But uh, I think it's important to know that uh, um, uh, it, it's, it's very possible and it's something that we need to be able to get, I believe, expert level at. And that's learning how to honor people, even people that we don't fully agree with. Um, because honor really equates down to Christ's kind of love. And I think uh, honor is really about being able to appreciate who somebody is uh, without stumbling over who they're not. Um, and, and I think that a lot of the times, especially as we look back on the past and the forefathers and, and uh, people that have contributed to the faith, uh, here's the thing you need to know. Whether they're people of great influence or whether it's just somebody that lives across the street from you, you are always going to be able to find things that you don't agree with in somebody's life. Uh, it doesn't matter who they are and what they're doing. Uh, and it's really no spiritual gift to be able to spot the things that you disagree with. It takes a spiritual gift in God's eyes to be able to see uh, where you do have commonality in the midst of the disagreement. Um, and I think that that's something that uh, the church needs to continue to grow in and to embrace. So anytime I quote somebody or I use somebody's, uh, you know, a, a quote of theirs or an excerpt of one of their writings, I'm not 100% endorsing their entire life for everything that they've done. Um, and I've found a lot of times in our circles, it's like if you say anybody's name or if you mention anybody's book, you're 100% just like stamped as being their number one supporter and you believe everything that they say. And let's, let's just be, be real, guys. Uh, you know, uh, a broken clock's right at least twice a day, right? So uh, there's things that we can find uh, to disagree with. But I think life becomes a lot more enjoyable. And to be honest, you become a lot more enjoyable as a person uh, whenever you decide to find the things that you can't agree on. Uh, so anyway, I'm not, uh, just know that if I quote anybody, I'm not 100% endorsing everything that they've ever said. The only person I'll ever do that with is uh, Jesus Christ. I agree with 100% of what he says. And uh, uh, I'll read you a quote here in just a moment as well. Uh, by a very uh, great uh, theologian, I believe the, the greatest theologian of our time, a man by the name of N.T. Wright. And uh, N.T. Wright is, uh, tells a story about um, being picked up uh, in, a, in a taxi cab in London. And at one time he was, the, uh, he was a bishop very high up in the Anglican church. And he was picked up in the, the taxi cab and he was well known and, and, the, and the cabbie recognized him. And he said, uh, you know, Bishop, uh, if, if I could just ask you a question. And he said, yeah, of course. And they were talking on the cab ride. And the London cabbie said, you know, if we, being Christians, you and I, and I'm a believer, same as you. And Bishop Wright said, oh, that's great. And, and uh, he said, you know, in, in a British accent, I'm not going to do a British accent for you. I know you really want me to, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and um, cabbie said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. And uh, he says, you know, if we believe that Jesus died... And that he rose again, and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Isn't everything else pretty much just rock and roll? And, uh, and Bishop Wright said, yes, 110%, absolutely. And they kind of had a little laugh in the car ride. And I think a lot of times, uh, because of preference uh, of music, uh, we get into all kinds of attitudes and fits 
and postures of the heart that don't keep us in a place of learning how to engage in meaningful dialogue and in meaningful learning. And uh, I think that one of the things that can help you embrace a Christ-like character of humility is learning to believe that there's something that you can learn from everybody, even if it's how not to do something. All right. Did you follow that? There's something you can learn from everybody, even if it's you learning how not to do a particular thing. Okay. All right. That's good. You can figure that out. So uh, John G. Lake, healing uh, minister, uh, very much uh, used by God uh, in Christian history. And he said this. I love this quote. I was going through some things that I've just... uh, Uh, Anybody like me, like all the different collections of readings and sermons, you kind of keep like a notebook somewhere just with little quotes from different people and different excerpts. Nobody like me. A couple of you like me. Uh, I've got it all digital in my phone and on my computer. And I like to go back every now and then and kind of just sample some of the things that have uh, left a mark on on my heart and in my uh, development and following the Lord. And this is one that stood out to me. And I thought it fit nicely with what we're talking about with simply uh, Jesus. So you'll see why. John G. Lake, men have mystified and philosophized the gospel, but it is as simple as it can be. The secret of Christianity is in being, it is in being a possessor of the nature of Jesus Christ. That'll preach. What about your life would change? If you lived with an intentional awareness, the kind of awareness that totally impacted all of your actions day to day, that kind of awareness, what would change about your life if you lived with an intentional, disciplined awareness to this truth that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17? But he or she who is joined to the Lord, becomes one spirit with him. What would change about your life if you lived with a conscious, deliberate, intentional, disciplined awareness that at this very moment, because you've made a decision to believe in Jesus, you have come into a place of union with him? What would change? I would like to propose to you that everything would change. I would like to propose to you that your outlook on everything would change. I think it's important for us to understand that this call that we have in following the Lord and to live a life upright before Him really only begins whenever we understand this place of oneness that we've come into with Jesus. I was at a uh, healing uh, school uh, a conference devoted to just growing in an understanding of uh, supernatural healing. And it, maybe you're here for the very first time tonight. And I do want to let you know that uh, we believe in this house that the same Jesus of the Bible is the same Jesus that's alive today. And, this, and, and the things that Jesus did in the Bible, Jesus is still doing today. Um, and he's using his body called the church to release that work into the earth And maybe you're here tonight and you have uh, something gravely wrong in your body or in your mind or in your heart. We believe that Jesus is able to show up, touch your life, meet that need, and for you to experience a miracle. We believe that. And we're a part of a house that has seen it 
time and time again now going on 30 plus years. Uh, so you need to know that if you're in a place of hopelessness tonight, you're in a place of just complete discouragement tonight, we believe that Jesus is able to show up and meet that need as if he were physically present in the room tonight. And the reason we're convinced of that is because we believe as followers of Jesus that we have become one spirit with the Lord. Amen. It was divine timing. I was at a healing conference. Uh, my wife and I, we got an awesome opportunity to go with some friends uh, to uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. And uh, we were at a healing school, and there's a director of their healing ministry by the name of Chris Gore. Uh, got some awesome, uh, awesome work, uh, books and things on healing, if that's something you're passionate about. Uh, I think it would be, it'd be cool to, to check it out. And, uh, and like I said uh, before, just because I say somebody's name doesn't mean that I 110% agree with everything. Let me tell you the truth. I don't agree with 110% of anything that anybody says uh, except Jesus. Uh, and, and that's okay. Uh, I, I don't know where we've come up with this idea that like the only way to be in a relationship is to be in agreement all the time. Uh, unity is not possible without diversity. If we all become the same, we're actually not in unity anymore. We're just robots. Okay, unity is supernatural, and it takes the grace of God because we're always going to see things from different perspectives. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, I don't need you to agree with me for me to like you. I don't need you to agree with me for me to love you. Uh, I just need us to agree on this one thing, that Jesus knows more than both of us. Is that okay? All right, good. So we were at this uh, healing school conference, and uh, Chris Gore, the healing uh, director there, for, or the director of the healing ministry, was talking about how he was on this airplane, and this guy had sat next to him, and uh, he was talking about how he was, uh, he's really uh, an, an introvert, and uh, him going and being on the airplane is a time that he wants to put his headphones in and just ignore everybody. Anybody feel that? Experience that? Okay, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, he's there and he's, you know, just come back from this thing in Europe and it's going to be like a 13-hour flight back home. And he's thinking, man, uh, he sits in like, it looks like all the boarding groups have gone on and there's nobody that's going to sit next to him. And he's like, perfect, like I'm going to be able to rest and have my ear, my uh, headphones in and just, and just chill for this flight. And the guy comes in, you know, or sorry, a lady comes in kind of in a hurry and she stumbles in and sits down right next to him. And he said, my immediate thought was, great. You know, somebody, and he could hear them talking to themselves as they were walking down the aisles. It was like, he's definitely going to talk to me. And uh, I love this story. It just really, it really uh, resonated with me. And the lady sat down next to him, and he started to put his headphones in. And as soon as he did, instead of talking to herself, she started talking to him. And it, boom, you know, conversation erupts. And he said at that point, it was a lot of listening, a lot of head nodding by him. But uh, throughout the next couple of hours... Uh, as he's trying to, you know, disengage from the conversation, but ke she keeps drawing him in, uh, it, it comes to, to a place to where uh, he can tell that uh, she's experiencing some discomfort. And uh, she goes on to, to say how she had this neck injury and all these things, you know, were going on and specialists and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and he said uh, in, in that moment... Uh, he just felt prompted to uh, be able to minister to her. So he asked her a question. He said, is it okay if I, if I try something? Um, he said, I, I kind of have some 
knowledge of, of uh, you know, uh, some, some knowledge that could potentially help some of the pain and things that you're experiencing. And she said, yeah, you know, absolutely. So he said, all I did was I just put my hand on her. And when I put my hand on her, he said, I just made myself. And he said, he said I do this every time that I minister to somebody. And it was at this moment that I found language. And this is me talking. I'm not telling the story anymore. Now I'm, I'm back with you. I have, I have experienced this uh, thing on and off in my life when I had gone to pray and minister to specific people and, and especially uh, in regards to healing in people's bodies. And a lot of times I would go to pray for people and I would just get this picture in my mind. And maybe you've experienced this before too. But it's like whenever I would put my hand on somebody, I would see like Jesus' hand coming over the top of mine and almost it's like our hand became the same hand. And there was a time a few years ago that I actually started saying when I would pray for people, uh, these aren't my hands anymore. When I put my hands on you, they become the hands of the Lord. And I believe that if Jesus' hands are going to touch you, that things are going to change in your body and in your, and in your situation. And, uh, and, I, and I, I didn't, I, I, you know, it was coming out in the way that I was ministering to people. But he said this phrase, and it went off like a, just like a, a bomb in my heart as soon as he said it. He's, and this is now back to the story, Chris Gore's story. And he's, he's standing there. See, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm being able to And he said, uh, I reached over and I put my hand on her shoulder. He said, and in that moment, all I did was I became aware of my union with Christ. I became aware of my union with Christ. Do you feel that? He said, all I did was I just became aware of my union with Christ. He said, I didn't say anything. I didn't say a word. I just internally became aware of my union with Christ. He said, and the lady said, oh, that's weird. Well, what's weird? Well, my neck's not hurting. And anyway, the story goes on. That she got, you know, the pain's totally gone. And, you know, this is a huge ministry, you know, opportunity that opens up. And. And, and, I, and in that moment, God put back in my life or put back in my mind in that moment these things that have been happening in my life over the past couple of years up until that point to where uh, it, it would be like I would start, you know, go to minister to people, especially in regards to healing, but I wasn't having these like long-winded prayers anymore. I was just having like this, uh, the best way I could, I could phrase it to you is just like just, just, just concentrating on taking what I know is in me and, and finding a way to release that through me into them. Does that make any sense at all? It's, it's, like, it's like just like a transfer of power, a transfer of grace. And I would pray for people, lay hands on people, and, and what would happen is my, it wouldn't be these long-winded prayers. And, and I, would just, I would just even say sometimes like one word, like grace, peace, love, Jesus, whatever it was. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you, you see these supernatural, these supernatural results. So when I ask the question about how much of your life would change or what about your life would change if you started living with a conscious awareness of your union with Jesus, and the reason I say I think everything in your life would change is because it's impossible to not come into a place of the awareness of God's presence and that not have an, uh, an effect on you and the people around you. In that moment on the airplane that he described, I was finding a reference point for so many different things in my life. Times where 
uh, people would respond in a way to me that was anger or that was unkind or that was, uh, it's like this awareness of something beyond me, but that is in me, totally surprised me in the way that I would handle that situation. Instead of wanting to do something to retaliate, instead of wanting to do something to let them know how I really felt, it's like this, this automatic thing on the inside of you that happens to find out, okay, what's a way that I can serve you to make sure that you know that you're still a blessing, that you're still important? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like whenever you make a decision to follow Jesus and you become filled with the Holy Spirit, it's, it's actually like there's something different about you. Isn't that cool? Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get saved. <laughs> it's like there's something different about you. It's like something that happens whenever you make a decision to become aware of your union with Christ. You don't just see somebody that's angry saying hateful things toward you. You see somebody that's hurting uh, earlier today, I was uh, I was at the at the gas station, and I did not think this was going to end up in my in my story. I went to the gas station because I was I was helping a lady get gas. And I go there to get the gas, and uh, as we're there getting the gas, the person I'm getting the gas for is not happy uh, because of a lot of different reasons. And uh, as I'm getting the gas and I'm ministering to them and I'm talking to them, there's this guy that pulls up behind us. And uh, if you know anything about me, I kind of go into my own little world. And if you live with me, everybody pray for my wife right now, Serena, just start interceding. It's frustrating because whenever I go into my own little world, I really go into my own little world. And there's this rule, there's like this thing I have with my kids now that if they need to get my attention, I say, you got to touch me. Because it's like I just, shut, I just shut stuff out. And it's not a, I know what you're thinking, it's men with selective hearing, right? And it's not what it is. This is a real thing. I can't describe it to you any more than just knowing what it is. It's not select. I want no woman in here to tell me that it's selective hearing. Okay? I will rebuke you. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. I'm just not paying attention to you. That's all that's happening. So I, told, I, get, I get like in my thoughts sometimes, you know. And anyway, maybe you're not like me. But uh, so I'm in my thoughts, you know. And it's really just I'm being present to these people. And, and they're being accusatory and... While I'm getting them gas, it's just funny. But anyway, so I'm there and I'm talking with them. And, uh, and this guy, I start hearing this guy screaming from behind us. And he's saying, ah, hurry up and I'm hurting and I've just had surgery and you need to move and all this, you know, deal. And I'm there and, and I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, what's going on? And, and then the people that I'm helping, they start fighting with the guy while I'm pumping the gas and... And they're like, you know, and they're yelling back, you know, we're talking to a pastor here. And, 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 and we're talking about Jesus and talking about Jesus is way more important than your gas. And back and forth and I'm stuck in the middle of this deal and I'm there and, and, and I turn back around and, and there's, this, there's this thing that happens. It's like, now let me, get, let, me, let me help you with this. You know that some days it's harder than others to make yourself become intentionally aware of your union with Jesus. You know that, right? But have you ever had that time when God just kind of takes over for you? I love that. That's so much better. Why does he just do that all the time, right? But uh, it was kind of one of those things. But I think God does that to remind us 
of what we're supposed to be constantly tapping into for ourselves. Because I don't know if you do this, he's kind of done the hard work. Like dying on the cross, going to, you know, kick down the gates of hell, getting the keys to death and hell. And like, that's, how many of you are glad Jesus did that job? Okay, that's awesome. So like, the job he has for us is pretty much just remembering every day what he's already done. And we still mess it up. It's like all we have to do is remember that Jesus has done all this for us and he loves us and we still walk around with bad attitudes and blah, 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 you know, and yelling at each other and fussing and fighting, all this ridiculousness, right? Okay, so you know that it, he's done the hard part. No matter how hard our life feels, uh, I'm so thankful that I don't have to die for the sins of the world. I don't have to be perfectly obedient to God's will, perfectly keep the law. Uh, you're appreciative of Jesus, Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You cheered and, and hooped and hollered just a little bit ago. Sorry. I didn't mean to try to make you do it again. I know it's Wednesday night. We're tired. I get that. So here's the thing that happens. I'm there, and this guy is like, Papa. And, he's, and I hear him say it again. I turn around and look at him. He says, I'm hurting. I just had surgery. And boom, it's like, you know, the thing that happens that you wish would happen all the time. It's like you just become aware of your union with Jesus. So I go over to talk to him. And, and these people, and I was supposed to take them. If you're here tonight, I, I would still want to take you to get McDonald's. You peeled out of the parking lot angry before I could take you to get your food. So if you're here, I don't have my glasses on. Uh, but if you're here, I want you to, I want you to stick around because I still want to take you to McDonald's. So anyway, they took off. And I'm back over here talking to this guy. And he's so angry. And I said, hey, are you having a hard time today? Man, yeah, I just had surgery, and he's got this huge, you know, fresh incision. He shows me, and he's like, I'm in so much pain. And uh, in that moment, I, I walk up, and his wife's in the car, and his daughter's in the back seat. And I said, are, are you guys having a hard time, you know? And she's just crying, yeah, we're having, we're having a real hard time. And you know it's more than just the surgery, right? So I'm like, well, I want to, you know, hey, today's your lucky day. I want, I'm going to get gas for you, too. So I get the gas. And listen, I'm not telling you this, you know, well, you just got your reward because you told us. I'm not telling you so that you're <laughs> impressed by what I do. I'm telling you because it's making its way into the teaching, okay? So just stop that. Yes, I read minds. I know what you're thinking. Just stop it. <laughs> Jesus perceived their thoughts. I have the mind of Christ. Sometimes I perceive your thoughts, and they're not nice. So stop it in Jesus' name. Just stop thinking those things. I'm not telling you this for anything other than to make a point here, okay? So, anyways, uh, getting gas for him and uh, talking to him and all kinds of things, and I get done and I, and I put the gas, you know, uh, what's it called? Thank you. I put that up on the, on the thing, and, uh, and I go over and I, you know, stand by the window, and he's just tears coming out of his face. And he said, sir, I want to deeply apologize for the way that I was just acting. I said, man, so you don't need to apologize to me. I said, you're just hurting. That's it. You're just hurting. Don't owe me anything. You want to come to church sometime, come to church. We'd, we'd love to have you. But we love you even if you don't come, and we'll help you even if you don't come. Whenever we become aware of our union with Christ, we're not intimidated by hurting people. We find a way to heal the hurt. Whenever, when, whenever, 
whenever we come aware of our union with Christ, we're not intimidated by sickness in somebody's body. We say, the wind and the waves still know his name. And I can release the name of Jesus over that situation. When we come aware, when we become aware of our union with Christ, things don't seem as complicated as they are when we're not aware. You know, when you come aware, when you become aware of your union with Christ, it's like everything just becomes clear, doesn't it? And you're, and you're immediately able to see this guy's yelling, and he might have been cussing. I don't know if he was or not. Uh, Part of me wants to say he was. Makes the story better. So yeah, he was. He was saying all kinds. You should have heard this. I mean, it was like, you know, HBO special. I mean, he was just cussing like crazy. I know you're so holy. You don't even know what HBO is. Just forget that. In Jesus' name, just forget about it. And he's back there and, you know, and it's like in that moment, there's, there's this thing whenever you come into awareness that you're one with Christ, the craziest thing happens. You actually deal with the situation like Jesus would. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it amazing to be able to deal with situations like Jesus would? I like that. Have you ever tried to deal with a situation the way you would? It's really terrible, isn't it? Isn't it so bad? Aren't you like so just like embarrassed about how stupid you can get sometimes? And even if you don't act on it, just the things you think sometimes to yourself. They're embarrassing, right? what you think about other people, what you think about God sometimes, you know. But there's this amazing thing that we have whenever we become aware of our union with Jesus. Is this helping anybody at all? Okay, good. And I think it's a lot more simple than we realize. And somewhere in the middle of trying to follow Jesus and trying to fulfill God's will for our lives and trying to walk out this calling of what it means to be obedient to God every day, and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that, like Pastor Lee said last week, we tend to sometimes drift toward making it more complicated than it needs to be? And we drift toward trying to make it a lot more busier so that we feel more validated and important in our call and our will and all this kind of thing. And I think understanding the simplicity of Jesus is twofold. First, you got to understand the simplicity of what it means that you legitimately have access to the nature of Christ. What John G. Lake says, the gospel is so simple. It means simply the good news is that you that have believed the gospel are a possessor of the nature of Christ. That's beautiful, isn't it? And I think part of understanding this simply Jesus thing is to understand that once you make a decision to receive that gospel, you really do have Jesus in simplicity. It's not a lot more elaborate than that. It's a lot more profound than that. And it's a lot more deep than that. But the reality is that quite simply and quite honestly, you and I that have called upon the name of the Lord have access every waking moment to the nature of Christ to manifest his character into the world. That'll change your life, won't it? Yeah, change mine. The rest of you keep trying, I guess. Listen here. I like this. And, 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 oh, so twofold. First thing is just this simplicity that we have as nature. And then the second thing is this. I think whenever you understand the simplicity of having his nature, you really understand the simplicity of God's will or God's call concerning your life. Paul tells us that God's will for all of us is that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. 
Thessalonians tells us that his will for us is for us to really be prayerful, thankful, joyful. God's will, when you look at it from a scriptural perspective, is a lot more simple than we make it. People trying to discern, you know, what's God's will in regards to like what fivefold office they are, or what's God's will concerning the deliverance ministry that God has for me, or what's God's will concerning the amount of money that I'm supposed to make every year. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure all that's associated with God's will, but can I really just be honest with you? That's the icing on the cake. That's not the meal. The meal is the reality that you are a partaker of the nature of Jesus. If you can't be satisfied with being united in one with the Lord, there's no amount of anointing, gifting, recognition, validation, book writing, conference going, prosperity that is ever going to make you feel fulfilled. If you cannot allow your heart to completely rest in the person of Jesus and to believe and know that he is your portion, he is your prize, that he is your reward. Not his stuff, but him. His nature, his heart, his character, the fulfillment and the depth of that reality, of understanding that you've been given the privilege through the sacrifice of Jesus to be one with the God of the universe. If that's not enough for us, then we're in trouble. It's not to say that out of that place of oneness, out of that place of connectivity, there's not a lot of extra that comes in, or as the London cabbie said, a lot of rock and roll that comes in. But let me tell you, that's not the chief joy of the human heart. The chief joy of the human heart is to finally allow your soul to rest in this place of union with Christ. Rest in a place of oneness with him. You are being your most fully, you are most fully human whenever you're in a place of conscious awareness of your unity with Christ. To be one with Christ is to be the full expression of what God intends humanity to be. Can I get a witness that you're at your best when you're aware of him working in you and through you in your life? You're at your worst whenever you're trying to do things to get him to do things he's already done. You're at your worst whenever you're trying to uh, act more out of your opinion or your preference or your emotion than out of a place of true oneness in Jesus. I believe that this is a simple thing, but that it's a profound thing in our lives. And I believe it's important for us to realize and know that Jesus has connected with you in the normalcy of your life. Jesus has connected with you in a place of oneness in the ordinariness of your life. How many of you are fully aware that you are very ordinary? Okay. We, we have a lot of people that are extraordinary in the room tonight. And I know the spiritual answer is because you understand that you're with Jesus, one with Jesus, and you're extraordinary. I know. Just wait. Work with me just for a second. You as a person are very ordinary, correct? Okay, let, let me show you how ordinary you are. You might think this is a little bit crude, but I don't care, all right? Everybody in this room poops. 
Oh, you, you didn't know that? Okay. Everybody in this room has had a runny nose and had a little bit of snot on their upper lip that they were embarrassed about. You said, that's so crude. How could you talk about that? I won't tell you what I was, what I was really going to say. Okay? You're ordinary. You're a human being. If you go outside and sweat, you stink. You wake up in the morning with bad breath. There's some days, especially if you don't have your coffee, you're a nightmare to deal with. Okay? Your attitudes and emotions can change in a day like Oklahoma weather. It's just incredible what can happen in your life. Did I lose you because I said that everybody poops? Did that really offend you? What did you want me to say? You, you go shooey? You doo-doo? Okay. You're ordinary. You're ordinary. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that Jesus has decided to be one with you in the middle of your ordinariness. He hasn't decided to be one with you because you arrived at this level of holiness on your own or because you become perfected and enlightened. Let me tell you the most beautiful thing. I just got to talk to the uh, academy, the uh, boys, 7th through 12th grade academy students here at Victor Life Academy on Tuesday. And I was talking to them about the thing that sticks out and the reason why I believe, one of the many reasons that I believe, that Christianity, out of all the religions of the world, is is the truth. And I said, I've studied all the religions of the world. Here's the most beautiful thing to me. One of the most beautiful things to me about Christianity is that every religion, every world religion, except for Christianity, says that you have to do certain things in order to get to God. You have to keep certain practices. You have to engage in certain rituals. You have to not go here and not do that and do this and do that. You know the list, right? And if you do these things, you'll be able to come into a place of Zen. You'll be able to come into a place of enlightenment. You'll be able to the next go around in your second life, not come back as a worm, but maybe you'll get to come back as a cow or whatever it might be. Are you following me? The thing that makes Christianity stand out in the midst of all the world religions is that it's the only one that says, and this is so radical and controversial within uh, the, the study of just world religions, and this, there's this, this is radical component in the foundation of Christianity that makes it really fascinating and really interesting to me, and why I believe it to be true, is because it's only the God of Christianity that says, you will never be able to do enough to get to me, so I will come to you, and I will take on the ordinariness, the simplicity. Think about how simplistic it is for the all-knowing, uncreated God to take on ordinary form as a human being. It almost doesn't seem right, does it? Seems unfair for a God with no limitation to make himself for a period of time, a little over 30 years, in this finite physical form. Blows the mind, doesn't it? It's a beautiful thing. Here's the thing about it. God desires to connect with you in the ordinariness of your life And he's proved it to you because he came as an ordinary person. He tried to make it as ordinary as possible. It's why he came from a backwoods town. It's why he strategically came not in a a community in time to where he wasn't a part of a rabbi's yoke or a rabbi's school, but he deliberately wanted to be the son of a carpenter. He deliberately wanted to call 12 guys that had no formal education to turn the world upside down. Because the scripture says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of this world to disarm the strong. 
You have this place of oneness. You're operating out of this place of union with Christ. And the most amazing thing about it is that you're so ordinary. The most amazing thing about it is that the God of all creation has chosen to come and take up residency in this frail, finite form that we occupy. It's incredible, isn't it? The simplicity of that is obvious, but the profound impact is off the charts. And I believe it's, it's important for us to understand that this place of oneness with Jesus is really connected to the way that the call or the will of God is supposed to play out in our lives. I think it's in the ordinariness of life that Jesus needs you to become aware that you're one with him and act accordingly. I don't believe that the oneness and coming into a place of an awareness of the unity you have with Christ is solely for the purpose of these spectacular faith-filled moments. I believe that this oneness and this ability that you have to come into an awareness of the unity you have with Christ is for the faithfulness of living devoted to his call each and every day at the gas pumps, in your home, on the job, where you really need to be accessing the awareness that's available to you that you're united with Christ is actually in the most normal parts of your life. Because whenever the most normal parts of your life are done from a place of awareness of your oneness or unity with Christ, can I be honest with you? Everything about that normal aspect of your life now has the potency, the supernatural charge of divine intervention. I'm going to read you this quote, then I'll be done. This is from N.T. Wright. God's call is not designed to make us superman or superwoman because that's not what the world needs. It needs men and women who are humble enough to work from within, from below, not to impose a solution on the world from a great height, but to live within the world as it is, allowing the ambiguities and the perplexities of their own sense or absence of vocation to be nevertheless the place where they listen for the voice of God and struggle to obey the best they can. And the one place where Jesus said we could be sure of hearing the voice of God, his own voice, is in the cry of those in need, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual need. The voice of the Spirit is groaning within the pains of the world, the voice of God who calls us not to impinge on the world with a new program of do-goodery, but to be his feet, his hands, and remember what happened to his hands, to be his healing touch, his tears, his yes, his laughter too, within the midst of this world. We are to be ourselves, yes, with all our background, all the lives that touch our lives, all the ambiguities that we carry about with us, but with all of these things strangely transformed and taken up into the purposes of his love. The simplicity of Jesus is twofold. One, that he simply has made a decision to come and rest in a place of unity in your ordinariness. 
But in the middle of doing that, him coming and occupying this space and time in you and I makes it possible to see each and every day what the people on the shores of Galilee saw 2,200 years ago. And that, my friends, is the Word made flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Every morning that you wake up and your eyes open, it's another opportunity for the Word to become flesh and dwell among men. It's another opportunity for you to release the nature and the attributes of Christ, not from some great height and some great platform and doing it in a way that millions of people might be able to hear. I believe that there's few of us that will be able to achieve that. And if that's what God has for us, great. But can I be honest with you? The real change that happens is at the gas pumps at Walmart, not in the halls of academia or the voices that go out across the radio waves. The real change that happens, and Jesus proves this by his life, is in the midst of the everyday fishermen. It's in the midst of the lepers. It's in the midst of where life is lived, in our communities, on our streets, in our schools, at our jobs. Jesus is desperately longing to release his nature and his character, not always from the great heights and places of influence that you think he wants to get to. But you have to remember, it's our Lord Jesus that gave us a pattern to follow, that whenever he realized on the night that he was going to be betrayed, that all authority on heaven and earth had been given to him, he wrapped himself in a towel and he knelt down to wash feet. To see need and to meet it, to find hurt and to heal it, those two things, I believe, are what it means to release the simplicity of Jesus into your world day to day. Because there's people that are hurting that need his healing touch. There's people that are discouraged that need the voice of hope released into that situation. And it, all, it might not be a message that you get to stand up with a microphone and tell. It might not be a story that's recorded and that's shown in movie screens across the world. But I tell you this, every time that you make a decision to become aware of your union with Christ and act accordingly, it might not show up on movie screens across the United States. It might not show up on the Christian best-selling book list. It might not show up in a media presentation or from a pulpit that reaches thousands of people. But I can tell you this with full assurance tonight, that every time that you make a decision to release the real simplicity of Jesus into your everyday situations in life, it gets recorded in the halls of heaven.